reminder, his strength is perfect. The Apostle Paul found that to be true, didn't he? When, when he was weak, then he knew by the grace of God he could be strong. Well, speaking of that verse, my friend, Dr. Rene Ouellette, and um, Dr. Ouellette, I was friends with you before you were ever friends with me. Way back at Bob Jones University, when I was a student back there in the prison camp, I mean the Bible college, when I was a student back there, uh, we looked forward to hearing the young R.B. Willette would come and would preach to the, the university. Now, you know, we had chapel and we had services like that. And I'll tell you something, Pastor Monty, did you enjoy every chapel speaker? No, no, some of them were horrible, horrible, boring, and I just couldn't, know. I just didn't like. But others we looked forward to, and Dr. R.B. Willette was one of the men that we looked forward to. He built uh, in his ministerial career for the Lord the great First Baptist Church of Bridgeport, Michigan, and was there for many decades, and now serves the Lord uh, in a traveling ministry. So a while back, and, and maybe he'll say something about it, he had a little bump in the road with a little larynx, is that what it is? Is that the word? Okay, larynx cancer, but if you'll listen carefully, you won't have any problem hearing him. And we're, we worked on a microphone thing. He did a great job in Sunday school. We're so glad. And by the way, by the way, you think about this. That's a big, that's a big thing. That was a big bump in the road, wasn't it? It was a big bump in the road. Guess who's still serving God? So there's people in here who got, in, in, well, there's people out there who got up this morning and said, well, it's too cold. I'm not coming to church. <laughs> hmm. Think about it. All right, Dr. Willett, you come. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to like get you under conviction too early. Here, Dr. Preacher. There we go. <laughs> Let them adjust don't, this briefly. Don't go away, Dr. Monty. Don't go away. Stare for a second. I think I want you to stare for a second. I'll find out. In the military and in law enforcement, there's something called a challenge coin. It goes back to the days of the Roman Empire. And the general would give a coin to a soldier that had done a particularly good job. I've received some over the years and value them greatly. And so a little while back, I had one made up. And on one side, it has my name, says, Preach the Word. The other side, there's a logo of two hands shaking. And around the perimeter, it says, Friendship, Fellowship, and Faithfulness. And I love and admire your pastor. You're so blessed to have him. So thrilled to see what God is doing at Faith Baptist Church. And preacher, I want you to know that I enjoy your friendship, I appreciate your fellowship, and I admire your faithfulness. Would you help me thank your pastor for being a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. My son is in the Air Force. He gets coins. Yeah. Whenever he does something good, I've now been coined, and I appreciate that. And I didn't even have to go through boot camp, praise God. No deal. Open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 5. We've read the scripture. I will not reread it, but I will refer to it as we go through the message. I had a complete laryngectomy November 10th. I'm speaking through a prosthesis. I may cough a little bit. If I do, you'll think it's terribly serious, but it's not. And uh, it does not, they tell me I should tell people it does not hurt me to speak. It may sound painful for you to listen to it, but it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I do know that if my mother was still alive, she would say to me, how dare you speak to me in that tone of voice? 
Jairus comes to the Lord Jesus. And I want to talk to you about a family tragedy today. A desperate family. Jairus comes with a request. It's a request of fervor. The Bible says he besought him greatly. It's a request of feeling. He says, my little daughter is sick with a fever. Who doesn't love their little daughter? And then he, it's a request of faith. He says, Jesus, I know that if you came and you put your hands on her, she would recover. And the Lord Jesus has a response. He went with him. Hey, I want you to know something. Jesus loves you. He is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But as he's traveling with Jairus to go to the home and heal his little daughter, there's a lady in the crowd. She's had, the Bible says, an issue of blood for 12 years. And she gets this idea. If I could touch the coat, the, the robe of the Lord Jesus, I'd be made whole of whatever problem I have. She did, and she was. Jesus knew what had happened, and he stopped, and he turned around and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples corrected him. Watch out when you correct Jesus. Watch out when you argue with Jesus. Oh, you say, Brother Willard, I'd never do that. Really. I've been in churches where... Uh, God speaks to people's heart, but they don't want to go to the altar, even though God spoke to them. Now, I know people, God prompts them, says, you've got to read your Bible today, and they say, I'll do it tomorrow. Now, I know people, the Spirit of God speaks and says, you ought to go back and apologize to that person. Well, it's okay. I'm sure they didn't take offense. Lord, there's a big crowd. What do you mean who touched your garment? But the woman knew what was going on. And she stood before him, and the Bible says she told him all the truth. Hey, that's a good idea. Tell the truth when you talk to Jesus. And he says this, woman, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee old. He was making a very important point. He wanted her to know she was not healed because she touched his garment. Nobody's healed because they touched some statue. Nobody's helped because they hang on to some prayer cloth from some bozo on the hooky-booky station. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Did you know everybody ever got to heaven got there by faith? God's grace, your faith to believe what he says. Now, God wants you to go to heaven. He wants everybody to go to heaven. Don't you listen to anybody who tells you anything else. He was not willing that any should perish. And here's what he did. We're all sinners. All of sin come short of the glory of God. The penalty for our sin is death in hell. If I had to pay for my sin myself, I'd have to die and go to hell. Couldn't get there by being good, giving away money, joining a church, getting baptized. But God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. God sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, all God and all man, 
always been God, became man in Bethlehem's manger. Never sinned one time, but he went to the cross and shed his blood and died. And the Bible says Christ died for us. It says again, Christ died for our sins. Now, if the wages of sin is death, and Jesus died for us, then he paid the wages of sin. That's why the Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, you can know it before you walk out of this room this morning. God loves you. He wants you to him, but it's only by faith, by believing that Jesus is who he says he is, God in the flesh. That he did what he said he would do, die on the cross and pay for the penalty of your sin. And that he will do what he says, <laughs> forgive your sin and give you everlasting life in heaven the moment that you call on him. Big, big truth. Important distinction. But there's one problem. Jairus' daughter was at the point of death. And while Jesus waited and talked to that lady whose problem was not urgent, medically speaking, Jairus' daughter was in critical condition. This lady had a chronic problem. She could have been up next day, next week, next month, wouldn't have mattered. And they come from the home and they say, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Brother Paradowski's done a lot of work with the police. Started when he was a prisoner and he got to know them. <laughs> now imagine you made some death notifications. I made a bunch when I was a chaplain, about 20 years for the sheriff's department. If I had ever made a death notification like that, I'd have been fired from my volunteer job. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Cold, heartless. And the Lord Jesus, we've seen a request. We've seen a response. Jesus goes to them, offers reassurance. And he says this, be not afraid, only believe. What great words. Would you say that with me? Be not afraid, only believe. Say it again. Be not afraid, only believe. Jairus, you came to me in faith. You believed that if I would put my hands on your daughter, she would be healed. Now she's dead. Here's what happened. When we're in trouble, we have an idea of how the Lord might help us. Well, maybe we'll get a raise. Maybe we'll get a bonus. Maybe this new medicine will help. Maybe this counselor will take care of our family situation. Maybe a new school will help my children do better. Maybe my rich aunt will have the decency to die and leave me some money. And God lets us go beyond the point where anything we could imagine is possible. And we have no idea how God could take care of the mess. 
And he says, Jairus, you came to me in faith. Now, you don't need new faith. You don't need more faith. You don't need different faith. But you absolutely need to keep exercising the faith you already have. I don't know the problems your family faces. I don't know the tensions in your marriage, the difficulties with your children, the financial hardships, the physical ailments that you're dealing with. I don't know the depression, the discouragement that you have in your life. I don't know the problem, but I know the answer. Jesus says to Jairus, and he says to us, be not afraid, only believe. Would you say it again? Be not afraid, only believe. You don't need more faith. You don't need new faith. You don't need different faith. But you absolutely must keep exercising the faith you already have. Faith is obeying God, whether it makes sense to us or not. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Man came to Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Well, that's bizarre. It's like saying, Lord, I'm skinny up on my fatness. <laughs> I'm bald up on my airiness. I believe up on my unbelief. We love the story of the three of children. And then I answer, I miss you. I like their godly names better than their pagan names. And uh, they said, we're not bowing down. And they said, we're not worried about the fiery furnace. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace which thou hast prepared. Amen. I like it. That's my crowd. But do you know the next three words out of their mouth? But if not. Is God going to deliver you? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Sort of. Now faith is doing what God says. It may involve tithing. It may involve having family devotions, even in a busy schedule. It may involve disciplining your children according to the Word of God, not according to the whims of society. It may involve a wife being willing to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. Hey, ladies, he doesn't always deserve it. Sometimes he's a jerk. <laughs> In fact, sometimes he's a first-class, double-barreled, triple-stitched jerk. But God said, don't do it for him, do it for me, as unto the Lord. Yeah, but if I did that, he would run over me. They involve a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, i got to keep her in line. No, you know, in the Bible, there is no enforcement mechanism given to the husband if the wife doesn't obey biblically. Nor is there one given to the pastor if the church doesn't follow him like they're commanded. See, policemen have a badge, that's their authority. They have a gun, that's their power. If you obey the badge, you don't have to worry about the gun. If you don't obey the badge, they can shoot you in some circumstances with a gun. And God gives pastors badges, but no guns. He doesn't even give them a billy club. <laughs> Faith. Doing what God said 
No matter whether it makes sense to you or not, be not afraid, only believe. He comes to the house. People are wailing, weeping, making all kinds of commotion. I've been to the Holy Land. I've seen what they do. They pay people to come in. Weddings and funerals, they sound exactly the same. And they go, ah, la, 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 la. And Jesus said, hush. He cast them out. Why make you this to do? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Isn't that interesting? The Bible often refers to death as sleeping. Them that sleep in Jesus. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. We go to awake him out of his sleep. Anybody ever sleep? Scary, isn't it? Frightening. Difficult. Well, Brother Monty, I'm sure you often get phone calls from members that say, Preacher, please, I'm about to go to sleep. Pray for me. I may need to sleep for six or eight hours. Oh, in fact, you get my age, you like sleep. You're glad you can get a good night's sleep. Hey, did you know if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have to worry about death. Death is nothing more than falling asleep on earth and waking up in the arms of Jesus. I have really good doctors. Dr. Ogikian was the first one that helped me with my first bout of cancer. Man, he's very kind. Very, I give him books. And he's very kind to me. And he said, now, don't worry. You, we're going to do our best with you. I was going under anesthetic and having a biopsy when he said that one time. And I said, oh, Doc, the worst thing you can do is send me to heaven. Hey, that's not a bad deal. It's a really good deal to be a child of God. We have a great God, a wonderful Savior. He loves us. He's with us. He takes care of us. And in the midst of our most difficult problems, he says, say it with me again, be not afraid, only believe. Just one thing you need to do, Jairus, keep on believing. My dad got saved when he was 21 years of age. First time he ever heard the gospel. Dad was really smart. It's like he was 149, nine points above genius. Probably not as smart as your pastor, but maybe close him. Then we heard the gospel. An old preacher, Bob Jones Sr., was preaching. He said, young man, what if your mother knew everything you'd ever done? Dad said, oh, what about my mother knew everything I ever did? He said, God knows. And then he told him that he was a sinner and the penalty for his sin was death in hell, but that God loved him. And if he believed on the Lord Jesus, he could have everlasting life. And Dad, at the age of 21, said, that sounds like a good deal to me. It's a good deal. It's the best deal you'll ever hear anything about. He witnessed to his mom, found out she'd been saved. My grandma, well, that was Methodist. Her husband was Catholic. They never went to church. My dad had been to church three or four times in his whole life. Led some of his sisters to Christ, nephews, nieces. But my grandpa, well, that would never get saved. 
one day my Aunt Ruthie called. Dad was at the Detroit Mission in those days, rescue mission. And said, Dad's got emphysema. He may have a few weeks, maybe a few months. But if you want to see him again, you better come pretty quick. Dad got in the car that night, drove to New England, Massachusetts for mission. Went directly to the hospital. Gave the gospel to my grandfather, his father. He said, Dad, something happened to me 17 years ago. I know it, son, you've been different. He said, would you trust Christ as your savior? And my grandpa said, no. My dad said, why not? Grandpa said, son, all my life I worked for everything I got. Raised seven children during the depression. Dad was number six, was born in 1927. Never went on the dole, never took a dime from anybody. To think the only way I get to heaven is by accepting a gift of everlasting life. I don't think I can do that. By the way, the only way you'll ever get to heaven is by accepting God's gift of everlasting life. Now you can think what you want about this. My dad said to his dad, would you like to see my mother again? Oh, he said I would, she's a good woman. We had a lot of good years together. Dad said, you'll never see her unless you'll trust Jesus to be your savior. And Grandpa said, all right. And he prayed and asked the Lord to save him. The doctor came in right after that and said, Mr. Willett, we need to take your father, give him a blood transfusion. Dad said, you go ahead. He's just been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember two things about my Grandpa Willett. He sat in his easy chair, smoking cigarettes, watching television every night until the test pattern came on. Some of you have no idea what that is. We didn't have the curse of 24-7 TV in the old days. When it went off one or two in the morning, a test pattern came on. You tuned the television to it. And then my other thing I remember is he was missing his middle two fingers on his right hand. They got cut off in a saw accident, so he would take a tissue out of the box with his index and little fingers. And that impressed me. <laughs> I'm easy to impress. In the kindness of the Lord, my dad had already scheduled to the revival meeting near his hometown of Brimfield, Massachusetts. Where at the time where his dad lived then. And we all went up. Grandpa still sat in the easy chair. He still smoked cigarettes. But now he had a large print Bible and he read it all the time. And every night we'd come back from the meeting and he'd say, Son, did anybody get saved tonight? Now what did my dad do different for those 17 years? Nothing. He just kept on believing. Kept on sharing the gospel, kept on praying. She and her husband came and joined our church. She was a Bible college graduate, he was too. Two sweet little girls she taught in a Christian school, not the one our church operated, but one in the area. Then one day her husband left. And now on the salary of a Christian school teacher, she's got to raise two kids, pay all the bills. Make sure the oil is changed, trash is out, faucet doesn't leak. 
It was hard. One day she came into my office and she put a piece of paper on my desk and at the bottom there were three stick figures on one side and one on the other side. In the middle was a big heart with a jagged line drawn down to the center to show that the heart was broken. Her younger daughter gave her the picture and said, Mom, that's how I feel now that Dad is gone. She said, what do I tell her? I gave her advice, Brother Bernowski, that as a younger man, I'd like to share with you. You can use this. It helped me. I use it often. I looked at her and I said, I don't know. No white knight came in to rescue her. No father figure came in to fill in the gap for those girls. No large sum of money was given or no raise at her place of employment. But she stayed in church and she made sure they read the Bible and she got the kids in the youth group and she did the very best she knew. She just kept on believing. And I lived to see the day when I had the privilege of performing the marriages of both of those young ladies to fine Christian men. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what you're facing. But I do know the answer. Be not afraid. <laughs> Only believe. You don't, you don't need new faith. You don't need more faith. You don't need different faith. But you absolutely need to keep exercising the faith you have. Oliver Cromwell took over the nation of England from Roman Catholics. He was a Protestant. We are not. We're Baptist. There is a difference. We didn't leave the Roman Catholic Church in the Reformation. We never were part of it. But Cromwell was strict. A lot of people out to get him. One day one of his young soldiers had committed an offense and the penalty that Cromwell had for that was to be hanged by the neck at curfew. The young soldier was engaged. The fiance ran to Cromwell and pled for the life of her loved one and Cromwell was touched. But he said, I'm sorry. If I let your fiancé go, everybody else will think they can get away with anything they want. No, when the bell rings curfew tonight, your fiancé will hang. But she didn't give up. She kept on believing. She went to the bell tower where curfew was wrong. She climbed way up high into that tower, and at great risk to her life, she climbed around and wrapped her body around the clapper of that giant bell. When the old deaf sextant came to pull the rope, it swang like it always did. But now instead of the clang of steel on steel, metal on metal, her body muffles the sound. Cromwell comes to see why the curfew didn't ring. And the poet records their encounter in these words. At her feet, 
She told her story. Showed her hands all bruised and torn, and her young sweet face still haggard with the anguish it had worn touched his heart with sudden pity. Lit his eyes with misty light. Go. Your lover lives, cried Cromwell. Curfew shall not ring tonight. Would you say it one more time? Be not afraid. Only believe. Lord, speak, please, my ear spirit to our hearts. Guide me as I extend the invitation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I wonder who's here this morning. You say, Brother Willett, I'm God's child. I'd go to heaven if I died right now. I don't deserve it, but I believed in the Lord Jesus and he saved me. And the Spirit of God has spoken to my heart. I need to apply the things I've heard from the Word of God today. Be not afraid, only believe. Don't need new faith, more faith, different faith, but I surely need to keep exercising the faith that I already have. I'm God's child, and he's dealt with me. Pray with me. If you say that, would you hold your hand up high? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God thank you, many hands. I want to ask another question. I wonder if you're here this morning, and you say, Brother Willett, I don't know I'd go to heaven if I died right now or not. I'd like to know that for sure, but I don't. But you said I could believe on Jesus and be sure of eternal life in heaven. Now, I didn't call any attention to the many people who raised their hand a moment ago. I won't embarrass you now. I won't call any more attention to you now than I did to them then. But I'd love to include you in the prayer. And one who would say, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven if I died right now, but I'd like to know that. Would you pray for those other folks? Would you pray for me as well? If you say that, would you slip your hand up high? Right where you sit. I won't embarrass you. I'll see it. You can put it down. I'm not sure of heaven. I'd like to be sure. Please pray for me. Slip the hand up high. Leave it up a moment so I can find you. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Who else? Not sure about heaven. I'd like to be sure. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Who else? I don't know what go to heaven, but I want you to pray. Would you let me pray for you? Would you let me do that? Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Lord, I pray for these whose hands have been lifted. Have your way in every single heart. I pray especially for those that said they're not sure of heaven. Would they allow someone, please, today to open the Bible and show from your word how they can know that they have everlasting life. Help to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed?